This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train the camp the best of shape, but... Well, well you I'm, did one time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to the first ever live edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and this, right next to me, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, we are coming to the good people of the podcast world tonight after yet another disappointing effort by the Blackhawks. Yeah. They lose to the St. Louis Blues. We have a lot of sad people in the uh, bar tonight. They're all uh, drowning them their sorrows with delicious whiskeys and <laughs> beers. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, what else is there to say other than that was just another really disappointing effort and another missed opportunity that they could have gotten points against a really good divisional opponent? Well, we should tell people, first of all, where we are. We're at the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn, our newest sponsor, we are happy to be here for the first time ever. We had a great turnout. Let's make some noise so people know that you guys are here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for showing up. We really do appreciate the support. We are uh, overwhelmed. We say this all the time on the podcast. We're overwhelmed by the support, but especially when you guys show up and come out to these events, it really means a lot to me. And, James, it does feel like, though, every time we have an event, the Hawks get their asses kicked we probably should stop <laughs> doing it yes we should stop probably stop doing it and and tonight the barrel club had uh 88 cent beers 312s and bud lights and 88 cent appetizers in honor of patrick kane and the hawks was four nothing and the 15 game point streak is over so we need to find a new promotion maybe uh aaron Rodgers in the playoffs 12 cent appetizers and maybe break his streak or his leg <laughs> CJ, you always go to these bad karma places. I do. Don't do that. It's true. I do. But let's get to tonight's game. That's that's the most important thing. By the way, Barrel Club, 4910 West 111th Street in Oakland. We'll tell you all about them later. But oh, a fantastic trust me. Place. You, will, you, you heard me wax poetic about one of our sponsors a few weeks ago. I got a food story from this evening that will definitely end up making the uh, cut for that ad read. Yes, as did I. So you'll be hearing about that. But let's get to the game. Blues win 4 nothing, and 
it's one of these games again where we say, oh, you know, overall they didn't play so bad and they just weren't getting the bounces and, you know, they hit the post a couple times and just the bounces didn't go their way. It, You don't get points for bounces. You don't get points for hit posts. The Hawks are in a dire situation right now. They have to start stacking wins and not overtime wins or shootout wins. Two-point wins where their opponent gets nothing. They have taken, what, three of the last ten available points? That is not good enough. They have to take advantage of these opportunities. And, yeah, they did not play a terrible game tonight against the Blues, but they came out flat. They started slow. They're down 2 nothing before the ice even begins to get chippy, and they got to battle back the entire game. And you've got Dabrinkit not scoring. You've got Taves not scoring. And it's just a toxic situation. You're already without Keith, and you're playing a man short with, without Andrew Shaw. It was just another... We, we can get into that, by the way. Yeah, well, it's just another example of these missed opportunity nights. The Blues... They're a really good team, but I thought the Hawks had a chance. I thought they matched up decently against the Blues. You know, they're, the Blues are a defensive-minded team. The Hawks could have pushed some pressure on them. Yep. But no, and it, it was too little too late as it's been far too often this season. The Blues are not one of those high-energy teams like the Colorado Avalanche are. This isn't one of those games where your uh, skill set ends up getting outplayed by the team that you're playing. This wasn't going to be one of those instances. This was an instance where the Blackhawks had an opportunity to kind of take it to the Blues and to kind of dictate the pace of this game, and they did it somewhat. They did outshoot them pretty well in the second period before kind of a late uh, surge by the Blues. But outside of those moments of this game, it never really felt like the Blackhawks were in any sort of position to like really make any type of a comeback here, did it? I no. never got the sense tonight. After the Blackhawks went down two to nothing, I never got the sense that they were going to score two more goals and get back into this thing. You, ju- it just it felt like a deflated atmosphere at the United Center. It felt like a deflated team, and they just they didn't they didn't look right the last two periods of that game, and frankly, didn't start that well either. No, and you heard the Boo Birds come out at the United Center as the Hawks left the ice, and with good reason. Again, moral victories don't get you cheers. I'm sorry. I'm tired of saying You're that. You're a third of the way into the season. There, There is no more time for moral victories. It's the time for real ones. Right, and look, the Hawks outshoot the Blues 38-30. to They win the possession battle 54-44-46. to 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 it was You're a, bad at math. I think you've been well, drinking. Well, I'm, I'm trying to round up and down. And uh, I'm doing it in real time, which is not ideal for a man of my mental capacity. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. It's frustrating. And look, big picture, if we're zooming out and looking at this from a non-emotional standpoint, they're without Duncan Keith. They're without Dylan Strom. They're without Andrew Shaw. They're without Drake Kajula. Obviously, that's a lesser, a lesser, a less important injury, obviously. And they're playing a man down. It's not an ideal situation to play the best team in the Western Conference, but had they started the game like they finished it, maybe it's a different story. But again, you're down 2 nothing so quickly that it's almost impossible to mount any sort of comeback, especially in the situation they were in tonight. And it was totally with a whimper, too. It's not like they came out, like, you know, blowing the gates off of anybody. You know, they they came out and they looked sluggish. And the Blues took immediate advantage. They scored two goals, and the Blackhawks just never looked like they were able to counter that. 
ever. No. Like, they just they didn't have a whole lot of high-danger chances. I think I told you during the game there were maybe only, like, one or two players that I legitimately looked at as having a good game tonight for the Blackhawks, and that's just not acceptable when, again, like you said earlier, they're playing a man short. You need more guys to step up than that. They, you need your Canes. You need your Tavezes. You need your Debrinkets to step up in situations like that, and none of them did. The only guy that was on the ice tonight at like that looked like he was consistently performing at a high level was Brandon Saad. To me, that was it. Like Corey Crawford had kind of a, a decent game as the goaltenders for the Blackhawks have for the most part tonight at the last uh, few weeks here. But outside of that, it was basically Brandon Saad and then nobody else. You know, like they, it just it was another one of those instances where it's too few guys contributing and it's the guys that you need to contribute that are probably detracting from the effort the most. I really do. I I we mentioned this to our listeners that are here at the Barrel Club. Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrincat have combined for three five on five goals this season. Yep. Is there a universe in which the Blackhawks are a playoff team when that is the case? And the answer obviously is an unequivocal no. No. And the guys you mentioned that should be stepping up and taking the next step to make this team better when they're in the situation are in Patrick Kane, another solid game, six shots on goal. Five shots of his were blocked, two more missed. That's a really solid output. That is a lot of attempts. I will give him that. Yes, Brandon Saad had five shots on goal. But then Jonathan Taves, three shots on goal. Alex Dabrinkit, two shots on goal. That's not good enough. These are the guys you count on to carry the team when things are not going well. And when they don't show up and when they're not dictating. Look, $10.5 million for Jonathan Taves and God bless him. He'll go down as one of the best Blackhawks in the history of the franchise. He will definitely be the most decorated Blackhawk in the history of the franchise with three Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe, Selkie trophies, up the yin-yang, all that stuff. But right now, he's not doing enough. And I don't know if it's a Jeremy Cowton thing. I don't know if he doesn't love the coach. But whatever it is, it's not acceptable. He must be better. He has to be better. He has to be a factor in every single game every single night, and I would say this season, maybe 30% of the games you say Jonathan Taves played really well, that's not damn good enough. Well, well, and it's also a thing where he used to, if he was having a bad offensive game, he would do things defensively that would really make you turn around and take notice. Is he really doing that anymore? No. It doesn't feel like he is. I mean, he's still maybe slightly above average defensively. That's definitely not good enough when you're not scoring. No. You can't just be slightly above average as a defender. You have to have a plus skill in those situations, and Taves just hasn't shown it this season. I still obviously never going to write the guy off, especially especially after what we saw from him last season. But I, I think that eventually he's, you know, he's got to get back into it. He's got to be able to uh, score. He's got to be able to contribute on defense. And frankly, he's not doing enough of either one of those things right now. Absolutely right. I want to tell you guys about our sponsors at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs and your corporate outfitting needs, if you've got a company you run, you need some polos for a conference, or you have a bowling team in the Park District and you need outfitting, hit up our friend Chris Hubble at Triple Threat Sports, 708-478-6090, triplethreatsports.com. If you can wear it, they can make it. Uh, Jonathan Taves, 45% on faceoffs tonight. Just minus one. Took a penalty. These are not the things you want your most important and most valuable player to be doing. And that's what Taves should be. Yes, Patrick Kane's going to put up the huge numbers, but Taves is going to be the guy, like you said, you should be able to rely on him 
to even if he's not scoring, even if he's going through an offensive slump, which he's kind of been doing all season, you could at least depend on the two-way play. It hasn't been the case this year. And look, they're as good as their best players are. Patrick Kane, despite his efforts to do so, cannot do this alone. And aside from him and Brandon Saad, every other forward on the roster, every other player on the roster, quite frankly, you could count as a questionable effort more often than not. You're not Those, liking what you're seeing from Zach Smith? I mean, fine. <laughs> he's a, he, He's been better lately. And he deserves some credit for that, but he's a no. He doesn't. Guy. That's not no, no, no. Don't don't fall into this trap, man. Zach Smith has not been good. He's he scored a goal and had an assist over the last little bit. Wow. So he's he's been more impactful than he's been. But look, if that's, that's the guy we're talking much. about, no, no, no. You're absolutely right. I just I want to point out that there are guys in the supporting cast that eventually you're paying them enough money, they need to also be doing something right Right. he's not playing with enough physical edge he's not contributing scoring wise again you have to have a plus skill at some point and he's not one of those guys I mean you go down the list like you said Andrew Shaw yeah he's had some moments where he's been good this season he's also committing a lot of very dumb penalties and now he's hurt he needs to be a lot smarter than what he has been and I know that's asking for a lot from Andrew Shaw because his game is to you know get under guys' skin and to kind of like you know mess things up he needs to do more than that for the Blackhawks he needs to be a top six forward and he really hasn't been that at least in my estimation this season then you have other guys like Dylan Strom who had a good stretch after we kind of called him out he's kind of come back to earth and obviously we'll see what he is after he comes back from his injury but you just you go up and down this lineup and it's just a bunch of guys who are not contributing at all offensively or defensively and that's not great we could literally just sit here all night and call guys out but yeah, I, th- I think people at the Barrel Club would eventually get bored with us. <laughs> they probably are already. But no, it, it, it's just very frustrating. And, and I, it leaves us sort of asking ourselves, like, what can change? What What is a possible change the Hawks can make? And we talked about it in the intermissions with the people here at the Barrel Club. Do the players believe in Jeremy Cowton enough to buy into what he's teaching? I think the answer to that is no. I think that was answered a month ago. And... I don't know. Does he make it through the year? Now with all this Mark Crawford stuff, which we're going to get to, yeah, that sort of takes an opportunity away, at least temporarily, for the Hawks to make the easy move to just fire Cowan and move Crawford up for the remainder of the year. I just don't know what more they can do right now to make the team better. Call up Adam Boquist. We had a listener in the audience. Um, Mike asked what would be the first thing you would do if you were GM for a day. I'd call up Adam Boquist. But, uh, Who would you get rid of on the defense cuckoo. then? Thank you. Gone. What, yes. what does he do? What is the point? What, I don't understand. <laughs> he has a lot of consonants in his name. Fine. He, like, he's a guy that can come and play bottom pair minutes acceptably. Okay, those guys are a dime a dozen. Yeah. You can find those no problem. You've got Dennis Gilbert in the minors who can do the exact same thing. Calling up Adam Boquist is a shot in the arm to the power play. It jumpstarts his development, and it just makes the team faster and it's it's all about to me it's about development at this point too right I think that to me is the one thing I would do is I would prioritize development over winning and losing right this second well look it's going to take a miracle is overstating it but it's going to take a lot of things going very well for the Blackhawks over the remainder of the season for them to be a a playoff team that that's the reality right now and I can't believe after how we felt what a week and a half ago 
that it's fallen this far you this keep fast. See, you keep using this we word, and I keep reminding you that I'm, I'm taking using... as short a term a look at this as I can and saying don't get too caught up in the ups and downs. This is definitely a down right now. But this has been the norm more often than the good has been this season. So I'll let this slide. I think this is probably a little bit more accurate. Well, to, to correct myself, I'm using the royal we as in like we Blackhawks fans. Okay, I could see. How I, you, I always yeah. like I always like to make sure that you're not just going to lump me into whatever harebrained schemes and thoughts that you uh, come up with. <laughs> I lumped you into this harebrained scheme five <laughs> five years ago, and I'm, we're not, I'm not going to stop but now. That's a fair point. Yeah. Fair so <laughs> now the Hawks are even with the LA Kings and games played. And they're one point ahead. The Hawks have 25 points. They are second to last in the Western Conference. The last wild card spot at this moment belongs to the suddenly red hot San Jose Sharks, who are six points ahead of the Blackhawks. The Hawks have one, two, three, four, five, six teams to leapfrog before they get to that final wild card spot. It's not looking good. Again, maybe they've got a hot streak in them, but for me, it's hard to see where it's going to come from. I, I just I, I don't know how it's going to happen. We we circled these games on the calendar, and we saw how difficult it was going to be. I see you uh you got into the whiskey that yeah, they that uh, put in front of us. I was actually going to propose the toast to you, but you just go ahead. You drink your uh, there's still some left. You drink your beverage. I'll save the remainder of the shot for your toast. Okay. Um. Yeah. Speaking of toast, we had a good reference uh, off the air here. Brent Seabrook isn't toast. He's stale bread. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, only, you only said that because you came up with that reference. I did. You were like, oh, look at me. I'm coming up with a bread pun. Speaking of which, we also had an Artemi Panarin uh-huh. reference during the uh, live event tonight. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, ghosts of Blackhawks past and lots of ghosts of Madhouse uh, podcast past as well. Remember when the Hawks were good? Yeah, back when we started this thing, they were the defending Stanley Cup champions. Let's Whatever live, happened? Yeah. Let's live in that time. I think yeah. we took. I think all of us, not just you and me, but just Hawks fans, took it for granted. Maybe a little. And now playing two games without Duncan Keith, I can't live without Duncan Keith anymore. <laughs> I was so ready to move on from Duncan Keith, and now it's no. Please yeah. come back. You're the only hope. It just it goes to show you, man, how fragile this whole thing is. And how remarkable what the Hawks were accomplished during the 2010s, which are about to end, by the way, uh, how amazing that was. Yeah. We are so blessed, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a super fans reference coming on here. All right, well, let's move on from the Blues game. There is a lot of stuff in Blackhawks land to talk about, so we're going to take a quick time out, come back and talk about that. But we are here live at the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. Thank you to Goose Island and Bud Light for having us out here. I had the ribeye steak today, absolutely phenomenal, with the baked potatoes, and we had the white bean sausage soup. Please, though, for the audience, describe what you had. Feel free to stretch your legs a little bit. Try to keep it under 90 seconds, but stretch your legs and describe what was on your plate, the monstrosity that was on your plate today. All right, so I am a food enthusiast. I very much enjoy a uniquely plated item The Monday special at the Peril Club is the bone-in meatloaf, which, see, it looks prehistoric, but it's plated in just this beautiful way that makes you feel like you're in an upscale restaurant. You are an upscale restaurant. And that combination is so blissful and wonderful, and this gigantic hunk of meatloaf is now currently working its way through my digestive system, and it's just wonderful. Every bit of that meal was awesome. The greens were awesome. The mashed potatoes were awesome. Sorry, the whipped potatoes. 
I will get that right. That was on the menu. And then just the insane amount of um, different whiskeys that they have here, the delicious beers that they have here. They have the Abita Old Fashioned here. It was really delicious. Everything was so good here. And we... Tell Ooh. me what this is here. Say it on the yeah, mic. Yeah, please do. We That is our private label apple pie moonshine. Oh, yeah, we, we were handed drinks as, as the podcast started, and I was just looking at it. I was waiting for an opportunity to sample it, and it is a dangerous concoction because it is delicious. I have sampled so many good cocktails tonight. My wife was here before the podcast started and had a flight. She had a pear. Uh, was a pear and gin? That yep. was fantastic. That might have been the best cocktail I've ever tasted. They had the peanut butter and jelly old-fashioned. That was incredible. So they were describing to me they put cherry juice in the bottom. They've got a peanut. Oh, my God. It, it literally tasted like you took a sip. You tasted all the flavors together. Then when you swallowed the cocktail, it almost tastes like you took a spoon of peanut butter. And I, I couldn't believe yeah. how accurate the taste was. And then there was a hibiscus drink. Everything here is off the charts incredible. And as we're walking around seeing everyone eating, you're just seeing eyes roll in the back of their heads as yep. they're enjoying the food here. Please come out to the Barrel Club, 4910 West 111th Street in Oaklawn. That was the voice of John Zawaski, by the way, owner of Barrel Club, and my uncle, my dad's youngest brother. All of the Zawaskis <laughs> were here tonight. It was wild. If all the Zawaskis were here tonight, there'd be no room for anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the headspace. All right, we're going to take a quick time out on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be right back talking about Mark Crawford and all the other news that has happened over the last few days. James and I will be right back. Imagine cooking dinner with Blue Apron, finally unwinding. Trying new recipes for your lifestyle, like vegetarian, WW approved, carb conscious, and more. Learning new skills and discovering new territory, all without breaking your budget. Imagine all this in one box delivered right to your door. Check out Blue Apron's new wellness menu and get $80 off your first four orders when you visit blueapron.com slash 80 off. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawaski with you here with my partner, James Nov. We are live. James Nov. That might be the first time you've ever that. mispronounced my name. I was rushing through it. Ah. We are live at the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. But you got to go visit our original sponsor, Marishka's and Crest Hill. If you're too far south to get to Oaklawn, head southwest to Marishka's right outside of Joliet. World famous poor boy sandwiches. Your favorite, the Yodel Burger, the twice baked oh, yes. potato, the onion rings, everything there is fantastic. Family owned and operated since 1933, and you could taste that family tradition in every bite. Go visit our friends at Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Let's get to the Mark Crawford thing real quick. Uh, I, I'm still not overly confident in my own personal research on this thing to really take a hard stand one way or the other. Yeah. I'm glad the Hawks are handling it the way they are. Agreed. They heard some news. Let's, let's tell okay, people Okay, I was going to say, please explain yes, for those who may not know what yeah. the news was. Okay, so in the wake of the Calgary Bill Peters situation and some of the stories that have come out over the last little bit about Mike Babcock, Sean Avery came out on Sunday and said that in his time in Colorado under Mark Crawford, Mark Crawford kicked him. And for people who listen to this podcast for a long time, James and I typically always, almost always take the side of the victim and believe them. Uh, with Sean Avery, it's a little bit different because of his history. 
because of the reputation he has, because of some of the things that he the reputation he's earned is probably more accurate. But what the Blackhawks are doing is while they investigate the situation, they've taken Mark Crawford off the bench. However this shakes out, I'm glad they handled it this way instead of just sort of ignoring it and pretending like it didn't happen and just sort of blindly defending him. They're doing their due diligence. They're trying to find out exactly what happened. And when they do, they'll make a decision. I'm pleased with the way the Blackhawks are handling this one. Well, I brought it up when the Akima Lug stuff happened that I thought this was a really good opportunity for NHL franchises and hockey in general to kind of take a good, long, hard look in the mirror and kind of evaluate the uh, practices that could potentially bring up this type of hazing, this type of abuse, and really try to root out the cause of those problems and to get rid of them. And I do think that anything like this, casting light on it is always going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into like whether or not Sean Avery is a trustworthy guy. Obviously, everybody does know his reputation in NHL and hockey circles, but I think all allegations like this do need to absolutely be 100% thoroughly investigated yep. and vetted, and I'm really glad that the Blackhawks did take a proactive stance on this, and they are looking into it, and I do think it's appropriate that Mark Crawford is not on the bench, and I'm hoping that there's a relatively fast resolution to this one way or the other, and we can kind of find out the truth about what happened with that situation. Well, and we know, like, John McDonough is a guy who, behind the friendly demeanor and the businessman smile, is a cutthroat front office guy. And he is going to turn over every stone. The Hawks do not want... They do not want something bad on their... I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is. On their, on their conscience, I guess. It's one thing when it's a star player, right? There's Gee, I wonder who you're talking <laughs> Look, about. And Patrick Kane was seemingly exonerated from that situation, so fine. But they don't want that. There's things you'll tolerate when it's a, a star player. They have a different sort of set of rules than an assistant coach. And <clears throat> right or wrong, it's the truth. I like that they're doing it this way. The only fear I have now is if they were considering cutting ties with Jeremy Cowton, moving Mark Crawford into the interim role, which is maybe the right th- I thought it was the right thing to do a month ago. I still think it is. You slap the interim tag on him, see how he does, and if he sucks, you changed everything in the offseason, including Stan Bowman. But does this situation now, even if they find out that it was a one-time thing, mm-hmm. does this prevent them from moving Crawford into the head role? Because as soon as they do it's going to reignite the conversation about this Sean Avery situation. I I will say this, and I'm going to be very careful with the way that I say this. Oftentimes, these are not one-off incidents. And I think that that's been borne out massively with the Bill Peters saga. It's being borne out right now with Mike Babcock, too. Yes. So I'm definitely going to say we take a wait-and-see approach to this. I think that... Any potential future that he has as the interim head coach of the Blackhawks or otherwise is absolutely secondary to making sure that the truth about this comes out and that one way or the other we find out what exactly was going on when Mark Crawford was in charge of the team that Sean Avery was on. Should we find it telling that there hasn't been a parade of players following Sean Avery to this story? That's it, what ha- it hasn't been very long since this happened. Remember, it did take a day or two for the Yakima Malou story to really start to uh, gather steam. It took a couple of days for people to follow Mike Commodore's lead and to come out and say that Mike Babcock was a POS. Like, the, what Johan Franzen said about him was pretty damning right. when he finally came out and said he's a terrible human being. Like, 
that stuff eventually is going to come out if it's out there. That's why the Blackhawks are best served to be patient, to let the facts come out as they may, whether or not he's guilty of what Sean Avery is accusing him of. I, I think that the Blackhawks are handling it exactly the right way. You don't want to throw him out too quickly, but you also want to take the allegations very seriously, regardless of what you may necessarily feel about the source of those allegations. Well, and we asked a question before any of this happened. Mark Crawford was a very good NHL coach. He was a very accomplished NHL coach, and he hadn't gotten a head coaching job in a long time. And, and you and I sort of asked the question, I wonder why that, you know, I wonder why he's just been out of the head coaching ranks. I don't want to speculate too much. Maybe this is part of it. Maybe they just know that his old school style that he had with the Avalanche in the early 2000s. Well, it didn't stop Bill Peters from getting another job. Well, but every organization's different, right? I, I just, and I think Peters sort of came off as, always in the Babcock tree, and this is a guy you want to hire, you got to bring him in. Every coach is different. Every situation is different. But I was always curious, like, wow, Mark Crawford was a guy who was considered among the better coaches in the league and then all of a sudden couldn't find head coaching work in a league that is known for rolling over average coaches. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the word <laughs> you're looking for is retread. Yes, retread yeah. is the word. Absolutely. So why couldn't Mark Crawford get the job? Maybe this is a window of that, but I think we're, we're sort of jumping to conclusions we don't need to here. No, again, let the facts play out, whatever they may, and the Blackhawks can afford to be patient with this, and I don't think that but the potential of Mark Crawford taking over on an interim basis from Jeremy Colleton if Stan Bowman decides to move on, I don't think that should play into it at all. Well, we'll see. That It's going to be interesting. I wonder how long this is going to take. Um, I wonder how long they're willing to just – have this kind of on the back burner on people's minds. I wonder how quickly this investigation will go. Well, I guess we'll see. At least we have a good on-ice product to watch await. Oh, mm. No, we don't. But, all right, so part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason for sure. This is why I'm glad I don't have a mic stand and you do because I can be very emotive with my microphone and, like, put it down and put my, you know, palm to my face kind yes, of thing. that is why I bought one of these. I bought you one of these, didn't I? Yeah, I have it at home. Yeah, you didn't you tell didn't me to bring it. Well, you know, I figure, never mind. Anyway, um, that's yeah, why I got it, Always blame me, dude. That's why I got it, because I don't want to bang it down or, you know. I I, I, <laughs> I think it adds something to the podcast when you do. I caught myself doing that too many times. I'm like, you know what? I should definitely get a mic stand. So I did. Um, part of the reason Super the Hawks were. Super pro Jay Zawoski over here. <laughs> well, that's kind of my job. Like but uh, part of the reason the Hawks got destroyed tonight uh, on the scoreboard they're playing without Duncan Keith. They're playing without Andrew Shaw. They're playing without Dylan Strom. When Keith went down, they called up Ian McCoshin, which to me was a little bit puzzling. It was interesting. With Adam Boquist there. Okay, a, okay. I'll, okay, sorry. I'm making a note of this, and we'll get back to okay. it. Okay, with Adam Boquist there and available in Rockford. Um, kind of curious as to why Boquist wasn't the guy called up. What it tells me is that they probably don't feel like Duncan Key's injury is that serious, that he's not going to miss that much time. Because if they feel he's going to miss a bunch of games, three, four, five, aren't they better off with Adam Boquist playing than with Ian McCoshin sitting on the bench, which means Slater Cuckoo is in the lineup. Um, the fact that he's not up, Boquist, I mean, to me is a good sign. Now, if he doesn't play Thursday and he doesn't play this weekend – I'm gonna re I'm gonna reevaluate my assessment of this, but for now, it could be a bit of a silver lining to the Duncan Keith thing because we saw they are 
not nearly as good as they could be with him on the ice. He yeah. is still, even though he's lost two, three steps, he's still their most complete defenseman, offense and defense. Yes, Connor Murphy's the best defender, but Keith's the guy that can do power play, penalty kill, still has above average speed. He's their best all-around defender, and they clearly missed him tonight and Saturday against Colorado. I was going to bring up the fact that they probably don't think Duncan Keith's injury is that serious, and that's why Boquist didn't come up, because I think when they call him back up, I think it is probably going to be for the longer term, like probably at the trade deadline, if they move a guy like Gustafson, or if they finally decide, you know what, Slater Cuckoo, you're not working out, I think we're going to get rid of you. I think that probably will be when you see him. I also don't think there's any harm in bringing up, like, the occasional guy from Rockford just to kind of see what he has, like, to see how his game looks at the NHL level, whether it's with McCoshin or with Dennis Gilberts or any of those guys. I don't think there's any harm in that. And, I, again, I think that this illustrates the need for the Blackhawks to maybe start to think about transitioning from a wins and loss perspective in the here and now and instead move to a potential development mentality and, I mean, when you look at the standings, that's not a bad idea for no. them to potentially do. Well, here's the problem, though, and I'm fully on board with that. Do it. If you want to flat-out rebuild, I'm ready. It just means we're not to pay more attention to the Ice Hogs and to the well, I just junior hockey ranks. I just don't know if you're going to call up, uh, you know, Dennis Gilbert or Ian McCoshin or even Adam Boquist. I know the people listening to this are going to shout out several names right now, but who are they realistically going to sit? They're not going to bench Brent Seabrook. They're not going to bench Ole Mata. They're not going to bench Calvin DeHaan. They can't bench Connor Murphy. Gustafson's the answer, but are they better off waiting till the trade deadline when some team is panicked looking to add something that day and they grossly overpay for Gustafson's services? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but right now, I would love to do that. I'd love to see Gilbert and Boquist up here every night. I just don't know where the spot is for them. Yeah. Well, and be careful what you wish for also. I know we've brought that up before with uh, Kirby Doc and with Adam Boquist, that there are going to be growing pains. Duncan Keith did not come into the NHL in 2005 and immediately look like a world beater. Right. He was not a Norris Trophy winner when he was brought in as a young defenseman. He just wasn't. Like, there are going to be growing pains, especially on the blue line, and – if you're serious about the development angle, the development strategy, you have to be willing to deal with those uh, headaches. And I think that's going to be really uh, – that's going to be important for Blackhawk fans to kind of, like, keep in mind as we move forward. If we get to the halfway point of the season and they're well off the playoff path, I would be strongly in favor of looking at that more from a developmental perspective and benching Brent Seabrook for longer periods of time and maybe giving Duncan Keith more time off, but at least – that is, and this is another thing we do have to bring up. Be honest with those guys about what you're doing. Like Brent, the big thing with Brent Seabrook. Start being honest with the, them. The big thing with Brent Seabrook when they benched him and made him a healthy scratch is that the players made it seem like they did. They were not told about what Jeremy Colladin was thinking with that move. And I, I know they're players. They need to do what the coach tells them. We've had that discussion before. Mm-hmm. But you also do kind of owe it to them as veterans to at least level with them and be honest with them. And I think they may not like it. But I think a guy like Brent Seabrook would probably appreciate that honesty. I can't speak for everybody on the roster when I say that. But I think at least with him, if you were honest with him and you gave look, I'm going to give you this weekend off. We want to give Dennis Gilbert or Ian McCoshin or whoever this look. I think Brent Seabrook would be okay with it. Well, and you could even spin it like, we're going to save you for the playoffs. <laughs> and then just run away. Well, I don't think he's an idiot. <laughs> 
I know. Um, but, you know, some, something that just sort of came to my mind as you were talking about if they fall way out of it, you could potentially trade some dudes. Calvin DeHaan, Olimata, I know you just brought these guys into the organization, but you can flip that around real quick. You could trade those guys for picks or maybe like sort of mid-tier prospects. Yeah, they're not making that much. That's about, definitely doable. How about 26-year-old Connor Murphy makes $3.85 million for the next for this season and the two seasons after get nick jomerson back i really like connor murphy and i don't think hawks fans give him enough credit for the defenseman he is but he's probably their most valuable defender right now that is a cheap ass cap hit for that kind of a player a contender adding connor murphy at the deadline would be a huge move and they could probably get something decent for him that's something i would consider and again i would hate to lose him but if we're in the situation of rebuild develop Get Gilbert up here, have Ian Mitchell here from day one next season, have Adam Boquist here ASAP, and start doing it. You can move out some of those mid-salary, those four, three million dollar contracts, I think fairly easily. And and again, we talk about Gustafson and the trade value. He only makes one point two million. And yes, it's a rental, but some team's gonna look at those numbers on paper from last year and not watch the game film mm-hmm. closely enough and say, this guy's a steal. <laughs> Just remember, some dope team gave up a first-round pick for Andrew Ladd. Why are you the way you are? Really? You just have to do it all the time. <laughs> you just always have to do it all the time. Hey, at least I didn't bring up that other guy they traded away for nothing. You just did. And you did earlier. <laughs> Don't pretend like the world doesn't the world does not begin existing when I hit record. You said well, table's I mean, game can, at least twice tonight we, to me. We can pretend that it does. This is like the new thing with my friends, is everybody knows I hate possums. So now all my friends are sending me. Wait, like, wait, wait. Why do you hate possums? Because they're horrible. They no, are they're the, not. They're the spawn of Satan. They are not. They are the, the they are the only American marsupial. I don't care. They are and they are adorable and you need to shush. It doesn't matter. If they shat rainbows, I wouldn't care. It's a possum and it's ugly and I hate them. I don't say that about you. <laughs> well, you don't hate me. The rest of it's true. Oh, but you don't hate me. Anyway. No, no, no. We the, can't start getting into that. The point is though that now, to irritate me, all my friends text me pictures of angry looking possums or here's fifty fun facts about possums. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Just like I do care, but I don't want to hear about table anymore. Okay, I just so don't. I feel like since you shared with the audience sad. the thing that makes you <laughs> that drives you crazy, the thing that drives me crazy is the song "We Built This City" by Starship. All right, and so I have friends who will text me lyrics to that song, and it drives me insane. So if if you ever like have something to hold against me, like if you're mad about a comment that I make on the podcast, send me that video, and it will effectively <laughs> ruin my day. Just, just fire so, it off. Yeah, just so everybody knows. I'm so, a, Possums for you, yeah. Jeff, uh, Starship for me. I almost said Jefferson Starship. That wouldn't have been right. I'm going to um, say anything, you, one day. Just come out your apartment <laughs> with the boombox and hold oh it up. Oh, my God. We built this city. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I've already been sort of replaced as co-host by Addy in the pictures that were posted from oh, the event tonight. She so. just won't, won't leave me alone. By the way, uh, I just typed in, we built this. I'll show you. We built the, and it said worst song ever. It just, it, Google, all, I'm not lying. I, Go- I promise you, not all of those Google results are me. <laughs> Only like 90% of them. Oh my god. Yeah, th- dude. Back to tonight's game. This was this was a really rough one. And it's uh, left us talking about things that drive us insane. It's like we're still looking to feel things. It's too early in the season for us to get to possums and starships. We're such nihilists, man. <laughs> it's true. Oh. All right. 
with that, why don't we turn it over to our emailer of the show that's actually coming from the crowd tonight. It's time for the crowd question of the show. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. And this is my friend Garrett, a loyal listener to the show, came all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana for this event tonight. So if you're up there in like, you know, north north side of Chicago or in the western burbs and you didn't make it out here, what's your excuse? Yeah. Garrett drove all the way from Indianapolis. Show the loyalty that he does. Yeah, jerks. Anyway, now that I've put all that pressure on you, buddy, here, why don't you ask us a question? Uh, so when Coach Q was here, he couldn't get – Taves and Kane to play for a full 60 minutes he could only get them to play for about 40 minutes during the regular season and they respected him they clearly don't seem to respect Jeremy Colladin so what's the solution like well a new coach probably won't have that solution as well so what would you say that they need to do about that other than get rid of Taves and Kane which they can't do um that's a good question I think that if they want to get rid of Kane they could um, we sort of discussed this off the air, too, and this is a bigger co- t- topic for another day. We'll probably save, like, an entire podcast for that. Um, I sort of disagree with you on the first little bit. I think Taves always tries his hardest. I really believe that. Patrick Kane has, throughout his whole career, cheated offensively, trying to fi- – and it's fine. It's worked out very, very well He's for Patrick Kane. He's a player that's kind of what they do sometimes. Yeah, they'll do that from time to time. Why did I lose your mic all of a sudden, James? I don't know what happened there. I think it was Garrett's fault. There we go. Um – but here's the thing with Quenville, and if you heard Duncan Keith's interview on Spit and Chicklets, he talked about it. The day Quenville came in as head coach, there was an immediate presence to him where he had accomplished things in his career. Players knew who he was. They knew his credentials. They knew that he was a capable head coach. So before they played a game, they respected Joel Quenville, and they knew that that move signaled from management, from the GM, everyone that it was time to get serious and take the next level step as an organization. And it worked. They won three damn Stanley Cups with Joel Quenville. Jeremy Cowton, whether you love him or hate him, was put in a very difficult situation. He has to replace a legend who's won three championships, a guy that the city beloves. Look, you and I were very critical of Joel Quenville towards the end. We still love the guy. For everything he's brought to the city, for everything he's, the success he's brought us indirectly, Joel Quenville is one of the greatest coaches in the history of the city. That can't be denied. But Jeremy Cowan comes in and has to replace that guy. Coaching players that are older than him, that's a really hard situation. And he had to earn their respect. That is very difficult. He did not come in with the plug-in respect that Joel Quenville did. And I think he started to earn the trust a little bit last season when they had some success after that initial tailspin. But the way this season started, strategy-wise, communication-wise, he lost a lot of the players and a lot of the important players, and I'm starting to feel like he's not going to be able to win them back. Yeah, and I think that's something that came up when we were discussing the strategy change at uh, midseason, when they ha- or not midseason, but after the first probably quarter of the year, after, like going into the Vancouver game where it was like, look, either change back to what you were doing that was working or get lost. Right. That, that probably had – a two-way effect where, yeah, the players were happy to go back to the system that was working. They were tired of losing. They didn't enjoy it, obviously. So that was great. But then it also signaled to them that ownership and management and whatever has that kind of power over their head coach. Why on earth would you respect that guy? That's the thing. How do you get respect back from your players after you've been neutered by the front office? 
Yeah. And, and that's why they should have just fired his ass. <laughs> but I, I also will say, however, the players, yeah, it's hard to replace them. It's hard to get rid of those contracts that you have. And, yes, you should take into account the players' feelings on the topic. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're an NHL hockey player. Have yep. some pride in your work. Have some. I know the system may not be perfect, but try to embrace at least what you can in the system because what fun is it to go through an entire season, a third in a row, let's point out, they risk missing the playoffs for the third straight year. And after winning three cups in six years, you say you're going to miss the playoffs in the NHL where over half the teams make it? That's not good enough. You've got to have more pride in yourself than that, and that ultimately falls on those players well, it, rather than just like, oh, they need to be motivated by a coach. It's also important to remember that a lot of these players that are irritated with Cowlton right now are some of the vocal ones that want to cue gone. So you've yeah. earned this is what you wanted. This be is what careful you, what you wish absolutely for. Absolutely right. The grass is always greener on the other side. Thanks for the great question. The question of the show is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. We talk about Chuck's all the time. The barbecue, the Mexican, the Cajun, the burgers, the wings, everything at Chuck's is absolutely phenomenal. The Saturday special, the Cochinita Pabil, is my favorite. They've got great jambalaya and the cobbler. You've got to save room for the cobbler when you go to Chuck's. So hit them up, Chuck'sCafe.com. Burbank and Darian. That's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We want to send special thanks to the Barrel Club for hosting us this evening. Thank you to John Zawaski and John Wilson Zawaski very much for, for, for having us out here. Thanks to Bud Light and to Goose Island for supplying the beer specials. We had 88 cent apps, 88 cent 312 and Bud Light drafts. Couldn't have done it without them. They also gave us a ton of swag. So thank you to them. Thanks to the Barrel Club and to our other sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. I also want to send a special shout-out to TJ Lynch, our biggest fan in Portland, Oregon. TJ, met your dad tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the support, and your dad's got something real special for you when you come home. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast from my partner, James Zimbo. I'm Jay Zawoski. We'll talk to you later this week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. What's it doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system. In the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealer. See dealer for details.